looking on the internet of different sayings that famous people or people that we know share. And I just want to share a couple of these before we get into our study. Uh, these are from Charles Swindoll, who has been on Insight for Living on the radio for a long time, and he also was president of Dallas Seminary for a while. Now he has a church where he kind of trains brand new pastors in that area. He has a few things that he shared throughout his ministry and still does uh, to think about. And I want to share a couple of those with you this morning. Here's one of them. This is one of them Carol found. Nothing touches me that is not passed through the hands of my Heavenly Father. I thought that was really, really good. Everything I endure is designed to prepare me for serving others more effectively. Everything. And sometimes God brings us through things in our lives so we can help somebody down the line. We say, Lord, why don't you give me a list? He doesn't do that because he wants us to depend on him every day. And then a couple of others. Refuse to let your situation determine your attitude. That's a tough one. And then this one here. Oh, how horrible our sins look when they are committed by someone else. Just a few thoughts. Well, recently, actually about three weeks ago, the Skyway 10K run or walk took place just south of here on the Skyway Bridge. It was reported over 8,000 people participated. This event collected funds for the Armed Forces Families Foundation, and during the 6.2-mile journey, people cheered on the runners and the walkers and encouraged them to complete the course. There was a lot of clapping, words of encouragement, and they were meant to exhort the participants not to quit until they finished the course. Yesterday I saw my granddaughter softball game, and I heard a lot of parents and maybe a grandparent or two cheering on the players. When they get up there with that, looks like a big bat for them, that big old bat, and they're trying to swing that at the right time, and they can pitch it pretty fast. I was kind of amazed at the speed. I didn't have my timer with me, but I was doing a, maybe a cheer or two, trying to encourage Carly to, to do her best and swing if it looked good. Pop-Pop says, you know, don't swing at those ones that hit the plate. Wait till it's a little bit higher than that. Well, as believers, we too need to exhort. We need to encourage each other in our Christian lives. When we see a brother or sister who's stumbled in life, we need to exhort them to get back up and don't give up instead of judging them. We're one body in Christ. When someone is discouraged, encourage them. We have those opportunities all around us. I've asked this before, but I'll ask it again. How many here get too much encouragement? Say, just back off. I just can't take it anymore. No? I don't see. How many of us give too much encouragement? 
I, I like to take that poll once in a while because I think we all need to be encouraged to encourage one another. Well, beginning in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, shares four words of exhortation, of encouragement for Christians in these last days. So we don't give up, but show God-honoring Christ-like conduct to a world that desperately needs to see Christ in us. This will be a four-part study, and this morning we'll look at the first of these words of exhortation. So please join me in Philippians 1, verse 27. And over the next total of four studies, we'll go through Philippians 2, verse 18. All of these verses in four different parts. Philippians 1, beginning of verse 27. And we read the following. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another is more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory 
because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So over the next four studies, we'll be covering all those verses, but we're just going to take a portion of that this morning. We're going to look at Philippians 1, 27 to 30. But before we look at that first word of exhortation, we need to understand what does it mean to exhort or encourage? Exhort is defined by Noah Webster means words intended to encourage, and I love this next part, to incite to good deeds. Incite. What does that mean? We, we don't use that word a lot, do we? What does incite mean? Anyone have an idea? What is it? Work it up. Motivate. Kind of get behind it and say, go for it. Kind of attitude. Scripture commands it that we exhort one another. Romans 3.13 But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 1 Timothy 4.13 Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And then 1 Timothy 5.1 Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, to name a few. And I know exhorting older men, I kind of like that. We need those ex exhortations, don't we? Like getting up in the morning. My wife will say it. You want to get up? Well, do I want to get up? Let's get up. Okay, then I'm up. Ex exhortation. Well, the first word of exhortation that we're going to look at this morning is shared in Philippians 1, 27. And that first word is, stand firm in the middle of persecution. Stand firm in the middle of persecution. We'll reread the, the last few, four verses of chapter 1. It says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. The first word exhortation again stand firm in the middle of persecution that's a hard one we need to let our conduct our walk our manner of life our behavior be worthy of who we represent as adopted children of God we're citizens of heaven and ambassadors for Christ while on this earth what an honor that is when we think about it we represent the king of kings and the lord of lords he chose us. He saved us. 
and he keeps us with his mighty right hand and no one could snatch us out of his care. Amen? One commentator shares, as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, we are traveling through a hostile world and we should be turning aside from its allurements and triumphing over all that would draw us from our true citizenship. We are in this world as pilgrims, strangers and exiles, pilgrims because we are traveling to our heavenly home. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen? Whether Paul could come in person or only hear reports from the believers in Philippi, he hoped to know their conduct, their walk was worthy of the divine privilege of being a Christian. You need to pause for a background moment. Paul was the founder of the first church in Europe in Philippi, according to Acts 16. And at first they met in Lydia's house. It was in Philippi that Paul cast out the demon from the fortune-telling girl. And it was in Philippi where Paul and Silas were arrested, beaten, and put in prison. And here in Philippians 1, Paul is writing from Rome and it's close to the end of his two-year arrest around 61 AD and this apostle wants to at least hear a report that the believers in Philippi that they're walking with Jesus now the question becomes how do we stand firm in the middle of persecution and in Philippians 1 27 to 30 shares three ways the first way we stand firm in the middle of persecution is shared in verse 27, and that is that we stand firm or we stand fast in one spirit. That we stand firm or fast in one spirit. It says there in verse 27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Standing firm means to hold one's ground. Having served in the infantry and the army, our battalions were given missions. And one was to take a certain hill or piece of ground. And once we took it, we were told, hold fast, stand fast in defending it. And it's the same picture here. Stand fast in one spirit. That's the unity that we have in the Holy Spirit where we should be fused and blended and self-denial, not self-promoting. Living out, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And this unity can only be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.4 4 says, There is one body, and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all, and through all and in all. That's everything. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, 
and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We need each other. In faith builders class, in lakeside, especially when the persecution comes into our lives. Will we face persecution? To Jesus? We will get the same. But as it intensifies, we need more and more each other to encourage one another. The early church faced a lot of persecution. Example of John and Peter in Acts 4, it says that beginning of verse 18, when they, the false teachers and leaders, had summoned John and Peter, they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had been threatened further, they let them go on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. They said, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to face persecution to suffer. And that, when we can get to that point, then that's when we're totally depending on the Lord because He will walk with us. We support missions worldwide. We're constantly amazed to hear the stories of missionaries who have had close calls. For example, Mike Schott with SOS Ministries in Africa has been close to being killed, and yet he continues in what God has called him to do. For one body in Christ and in days to come, if and when actually persecution comes in America, we need to exhort and encourage one another because the world isn't, is it? A second way to stand firm when persecution comes is share beginning of the last part of verse 27 and that is we need to be of one mind in striving for the faith of the gospel. One mind. There's one gospel message and it, the only way to heaven as it's shared in John 14.6 is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but through Him. And we need to be of one mind because when we share that, it's not going to be received by everyone. In fact, few find that road, but some will. And then God can use us to plant that seed. Being of one mind is standing and striving for the truth of God's Word as well as the gospel. A scripture view of the, uh, the rampant sin being promoted in America and worldwide is, we won't read it, but Romans 1 beginning of verse 24, we see all the sins that are occurring all around us. We shouldn't be surprised because Satan knows his time is short and he doesn't want believers to be used of God, to be witnesses to share that Jesus Christ is the answer. The word striving pictures a soldier standing at his post, struggling against a common foe, fighting the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. 2 Timothy 4.7 exhorts us to excel for Jesus so we can say like Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Brothers and sisters, we're in a great spiritual battle 
And our only chance of victory is God. We need God's armor, don't we? As described in Ephesians 6, and the whole purpose of God's armor is what? So we can stand. It's easy to, to give up or to quit or sit on the sideline, but God says, I will help you to stand. I will not only command it, but I will help you do it. And that's when we have to depend on Him. Paul stood up in his day, and we should stand up in our day. America is dying spiritually. And we are still blessed to be part of a church where God's Word is taught, which is rare. There aren't a lot of lakesides around where God's Word is taught every time someone steps into the pulpit. We have the true message of the Gospel to share with the lost and the dying around us. Faith of the Gospel speaks of the faith of believing someone and putting one's trust in Him. And I'm always... Love that story with Peter and Jesus in Matthew 14. Remember the storm has come up and they think that's a ghost there on the water. And Jesus says, don't fear, it's I. And then I love Peter. Peter got out of the boat, didn't he? He looked over and he said, if you're really Jesus, give me a command, tell me what to do. And Jesus said one word, what? Come. And Peter said, oh, wait a minute, i got to check here. Oh, that's kind of cold water. I don't know if I can do that. What did he do? He got out of the boat. And he started walking toward Jesus. And as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was fine. But he started maybe, I don't know if he, I don't know if they had sharks over there, but something went, went by. And he might have looked down saying, oh, what am, where am I? And he started to sing. But you know the grace of God we see because Peter said, what? Help me. And the Lord said, oh, go ahead and drown, Peter. You blew it. <laughs> he grabbed him. And they walked together on the water back to the boat. Peter got out. He had faith in Jesus. That's the same picture we should have in our lives. Verse 28 reminds us we shouldn't be terrified. It says in verse 28, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. We shouldn't be terrified or alarmed. That literally pictures a startled horse that bucks back and sees something in front of them. The believers in Philippi and believers at Lakeside shouldn't look for trouble when conflicts flare up, but we shouldn't shy away either. And here's two reasons why. We're not alone as we strive together for the truth of the gospel. God stands for us. And as a body of Christ, we stand together. And secondly, Paul gives us the assurance that the ultimate victory is ours. God's plans will come to pass. As we're reminded in Romans 8.28, we know that how many things? All? 90%? 50%? 100%? will work together for God's plan for us, but also that should be our plan as well. And when we are studying the Word, when we are trusting God, when we are relying on His promises, 
God cannot lie, can He? And all the promises God has given us, we need to embrace, we need to hang on to. Commentator F.F. Bruce adds, The presence of opposition, Paul assures us, shows that they are on the right track, right path in their active gospel witness. It is a token of salvation to them, as it is a token of perdition for their opponents. They will lose, you will win. I don't know how many times Pastor Joe has said, in the end, we win. We win because of Jesus, not because of who we are, but because what He accomplished upon that cross for us. As persecution intensifies and our faith in Jesus is challenged, we need to know we're not alone. While serving in the military, I had the privilege to give out. One lady approached me and she said, what can I do for the soldiers? And she offered to make a bandana for soldiers to carry. This is with the infantry group. You know what she put on there? She printed this on. Psalm 91. And I don't know how many of these I gave out. She, she would ask me about once a month, chaplain, do you still have any more? She'd give me some more. She'd make some more. But I had one soldier come back. I'll never forget this. She had this bandana and it was all wore out and it had dirt all over. And she said, chaplain, I don't know how many times I pulled this out and I knew God was with me and he brought me home. I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget that lady who did that because she wanted soldiers to know in the battlefield God was there with them. God is for us. Who can stand against us? Commentator Kenneth Weiss shares, the failure of the saints to be terrified by the antagonism of their adversaries was clear evidence of such a nature as to convince these pagans that they were on the road to utter destruction and clear evidence of the salvation of the Philippian believers. When things are going too smooth in our lives, we need to watch out. Because we come around that corner and that could be a semi. It's ready to plow us over. God says, I'm standing with you. Believe in me. Trust me. Share the message I've given you and you will not be run over. At times it seems like it, doesn't it? But God is standing there with us and he will... He will take us home in His timing. And that's what we have to trust. Whatever form persecution may take, verbal, social, mental, physical, or emotional, God will turn them into signs of true salvation. Being persecuted for righteousness' sake should serve as a link in our assurance of being righteous through Christ. A third way, we can stand firm while facing persecution is shared in verses 29 and 30. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in me, but also to suffer for his sake. Experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. According to verse 29, it's a privilege to suffer for Christ. We will suffer if we stand up for Christ and the gospel. That's guaranteed. John MacArthur shares, Believers' suffering is a gift of grace, which 
bring power and eternal reward. 1 Peter 4.13 But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Charles Swindoll adds, The presence of opposition, Paul assures them, shows that they are on the right path to their active gospel witness. God is the author of the gospel. Those who defend it may there expect deliverance and victory from him as surely as those who resist it may expect to incur his judgment. It's encouragement. I hope it is to you. Verse 30 reminds believers in Philippi and us that Paul did suffer often and harshly. According to Acts 14, Paul was stoned. He was beaten in Acts 21, shipwrecked in Acts 27, imprisoned in Acts 16 and 24. So Paul could empathize with the persecution the believers in Philippi were facing daily. Persecution for our faith is to be expected when we take a stand for Christ. Words like sin, repentance, they're unpopular today. Are we being conformed to this world or transformed by the Holy Spirit? And here's a question we all should think about. If being a Christian or sharing the gospel was declared illegal, what would we do? Here's a word of encouragement from inmate Corey, who's serving time in Michigan. She wrote this, and it's entitled, Stand Firm. I lay in my cell each day in deep thought, thinking about the struggles and the battles that I've fought. When I was out in the world, I had felt life was a game. It took for me to come to prison to call on Jesus' name. Lord, save me from the enemy. I'm sick and tired of doing wrong. Guide me to paradise, Lord. Keep me, and please keep me strong. I've done so much that you didn't approve of, so I'm asking for your forgiveness and to fill me with your love. Touch my heart, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lead the way so that I'm able to do your will until my dying day. I owe you my life, Lord Jesus. You died on the cross for me. That is why I shall always stand firm, claiming victory. Victory in Jesus. We sing about it. God wants us to live it. So what are some applications for us this morning here in Faith Builders? First, we are exhorted to stand firm when persecution comes, knowing that we're united in one spirit, one mind in striving for the gospel, and that we should expect suffering for righteousness' sake. We as believers need to make sure our manner of life, our daily conduct, is bringing honor and glory to God. So this morning we looked at the first of four exhortations for these last days, namely stand firm in the middle of persecution. And next time we'll move on to the second. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word. We're thankful that it's your truth, that there's no error. And Father, as we 
study your word, we know where to practice it as shared in James, to be doers of the word, not hearers only. May we stand firm in you with your strength in these days that so much uh, of what we believe is being challenged and opposed. But Father, we are told by you to be light or to be salt. We can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, this coming week, we all will come in contact with different people. May our, the light from you shine forth in this dark world. And as we have opportunities, Lord, to share the gospel, may we do so. Because without Jesus Christ, we were all on the road to hell. And Father, we know time is short. We don't know when you will call us home, but Lord, may we use each day wisely. And may we put our faith and trust in you one day at a time. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing, and we glorify your name for what you will do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have a great week. Lord bless you.